Hello and greetings, wide world of listeners. This is another episode of The Circuit. I am Ben Beharin, and I'm flying solo this episode, but I've got an amazing guest, a wealth of information on all things semiconductors. Uh, uh, conversations that I've had with, uh, with this gentleman have been enlightening. I think everyone will enjoy it greatly. His name is Humang Bu from IBM Research. Uh, thanks for joining me, Humang. Maybe just give everybody a little bit of a background on kind of who you are, your role at IBM, and uh, and then we'll launch into launch into the discussion. Ben, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. And uh, I manage uh, Semiconductor Global Research and Development Agenda at IBM Research. And I'm very happy uh, to be here with you, Ben, and the audience talking about the future of semiconductors. <laughs> Awesome. So we've had a bunch of conversations. I was going to try to write an article on where does transistor design go from here. And then I thought, you know what, it might just be better to have you talk about it um, because you have some great insights into um, where we're going. So I'll just set the context of what I was thinking about for our audience and then kind of give you a couple of, of talking off points. So essentially, we, we know we're moving from FinFET transistors to NanoSheet. That's essentially the transition that we're, we're on. Um, that will essentially get us to 1.5, 1.7 nanometer, I guess, is where kind of people think we've got visibility into. Past that, there's a lot more questions. And that's kind of the root of the conversation that you and I were having. You know, what, what gets us past NanoSheets? And um, what are the, the possibilities? I know you, there's a couple of, of different directions and you've got insights as to those two. Um, but maybe just start with, give us your view on this transition from FinFET to NanoSheets, kind of how we should think about the next couple of years of uh, ad, past three nanometer into two nanometer, maybe into one seven and one five. And then let's just kind of talk about, you know, what are you seeing and thinking around where transistor design goes from there? I know there's no dedicated answer, but you guys are doing a bunch of research on, you know, is it VTFET? Is it more a horizontal approach? Um, so I'm just going to kind of lob that out and, and kind of let, let you go. But that's sort of the context where um, I think having you frame, put that into to context will be helpful. Thank you, Ben, for directing these greatest set of questions. In fact, uh, when you asked me this set of question, I was thinking about maybe before we look into the future, uh, one thing we can always practice is look at the past, what happened, and see what do we have explored as a semiconductor industry. And also based on that, think about what may have not been explored. Perhaps that sets a good direction for us hey, when it comes to the future of the semiconductors. So one thing triggered my thought is when I joined uh, semiconductor industry um, that let's say 20 years ago, the industry was entering a 12-inch wafer, so-called a 300-meter wafers uh, uh, at that point of time. Uh, reality is that footprint uh, has not changed for the last two decades. Uh, I call it um, as a real estate, uh, use it as an analogy. And also... Uh, I don't think we're going to change that you know, industry uh, for the next uh, upcoming years. So from that perspective, uh, let's say you have a, a fixed real estate talking about 12-inch wafer and look at the transistor scaling. What has happened in your industry in the last uh, 20 years? Or you can look back, hey, whenever since the transistor, let's say, was uh, created in 1959, 
from that perspective, it has been uh, more than 60 years uh, in the past. Maybe one thing to look at is, okay, in these many years, one thing our industry has made a tremendous progress, I call it a dimensional scaling. And one of the most uh, important parameters used to measure that dimensional uh, scaling is called uh, contact gate pitch, CGP. That has scaled uh, significantly, I would say, in the last uh, 60 years. And also recently, uh, you mentioned uh, we are in the FinFET era at this point. When the industry introduced FinFET in 2011 and uh, to the point 2013 and 2014, after that, the industry as a mainstream has adopted FinFET as our mainstream technology. One thing is because of the FinFET brings a lot of technology complexity, the industry has also realized a second factor when it comes to enabling transistor scaling which is a DTCO-driven scaling. Uh, DTCO stands for Design Technology Coordination. I would say gradually in the last few years, DTCO has been, um, I would say evolved into uh, the second uh, most important factor when it comes to transistor scaling together with the dimensional scaling we have been familiar with. Uh, so now let's take a pause uh, that look at uh, the recent technology nodes, let's say five nanometer, four nanometer, three nanometer, how much scaling we have enabled in the dimensional scaling how, and how much of that component is enabled by DTCO uh, scaling. I would say almost half-half. Uh, it's very interesting to see these two dominating factors has enabled our industry in the last 20 years to be on a trajectory of amazingly 0.5 scaling factor especially when it comes to logic cell library uh, for the last two decades. So um, are we going to expect to continue uh, the transistor scaling? I would say yes. The question is, are they going to come from this dimensional scaling or DTCO scaling or anything else uh, beyond that? So if you look at the dimensional scaling, I would say most of the scaling are coming from a dimension we are very familiar which is a lateral scaling, either from X direction or Y direction, which is parallel to the wafer substrate. But there's one dimensional scaling we have not explored, which is a new horizon. I call it uh, 3D scaling or the Z direction scaling. This is something in the last 60 years of transistor history for the logic application we have not explored. So at IBM Research, we are looking at the IND effort towards enabling this new dimensional scaling in Z direction, whether it's, you mentioned uh, VT fat, vertical transport fat, or stacked transistor. These two are two different architectures, but they are both exploring the direction of the Z scaling, which is perpendicular to the wafer substrate. And in the context of the VT fat, is really uh, I would say in the last 60 years, the three terminal device, gate, source, drain, they are essentially always in the same plane parallel to the wafer substrate. And in this VT-FET context, we are actually building this transistor, gate, source, drain, three terminal, all perpendicular to the wafer substrate. That's why it's called a vertical transport fat. And in the other architecture, we call it a stacked transistor or S-FET. Essentially, you fabricate one layer of transistor but then you stack another layer of transistor on top of it. It's going to also to the 3D direction. Yes, these two, they are two different architectures, but it's also going to leverage both the innovation in the Z as a new dimensional scaling. Let me just pause here, Ben.
Yeah, no, that's that that that's good. So so maybe maybe talk about a, a little bit about that as um, we think about. So for example, you know, the Intel talks a lot about three um, D sort of chiplet design. Now I know that that's not three D stacking of vertical transistors. That's just essentially building blocks as they think about um, stacking of of tiles or other form of, of that design. So so maybe. Because you mentioned 3D, and I don't want people to think, well, that's different than what you know Intel's doing 3D. Maybe just talk a little bit about some of those differences as you see people, again, trying to stack blocks versus grow transistors, just so we have a little bit of context of the differences of those two things. Uh, well, a great question. So uh, 3D has been broadly used these days. And let me uh, maybe bring one level below um, what's, uh, what's behind it. Uh, we talk about the transistor level scaling, talk about uh, VTFAT, talk about uh, stacked transistor. Those are essentially, um, I call it uh, vertical integration enabled transistor level architecture innovation from 3D perspective. And um, Ben, as you mentioned, Intel um, talked recently a lot about uh, 3D chiplet. Uh, before I talk about that, maybe I'll mention one thing also announced by Intel. Uh, which I call a block level innovation. Uh, they, they call it uh, power via technology. Essentially, it's talking about uh, the backside of our uh, technology. The way I would uh, think about the direction that we're heading as an industry is the following. Again, using, I talked about the real estate as a footprint of the 300 millimeter. Uh, the other way to look at that, okay, uh, think about a chip is a building that we're building. Today, um, most of the chips are done in a way it's one layer of transistors as an active layer. And the footprint is going to be fixed no matter what you do. And there's only so much you can do with dimensional X and Y scaling. I mentioned the Z as a scaling in the 3D direction. You can think about that as now building a multi-floor building with the same footprint. That's one way to think about scaling. And if you think about the backside of power, you can think about, hey, what if I have a basement? I can use my basement underneath the first floor for what? So think of what Intel is talking about. They're going to use a basement for the power distribution. So all the power lines you put, all the electricity lines you put in the basement. And you can separate, let's say, water line water supply line and an electricity line, one on top of your building, one at the bottom of the building. So you actually don't have to get into a congestion of the, of the signal line and, uh, and the power line in the layout. That's an analogy of what we are talking about. And what you are, ref uh, what you are referring to, Ben, is 3D chiplet technology. Think about, okay, we talk about transistor architecture level, innovation going to 3D. We talk about block level, to separate my signal line and a power line, one on top of the wafer, one uh, on the backside of the wafer. Now think about a chip level. In the chip level, how about we employ a 3D chiplet technology architecture? By the way, when we say 3D chiplet or 3D IC, there are actually two key components in it. One is chiplet itself. The second one is a 3D component, or I should say to be more generic, 2.5D or 3D. Generally, I would call it heterogeneous integration uh, perspective of, of the advanced packaging. So 3D chiplet is a chip level of the architecture innovation that how do we enable that? 
In fact, one number I can uh, share with this team is that um, um, a few years ago, to be more uh, specific, about four to five years ago, I was asked by a question, a reporter, when would our industry reach, let's say, 100 billion transistors on the same chip? And when we did the analysis, it's pretty straightforward using the, uh, the density scaling of the advanced logic technology in the lateral scaling dimension, X and Y. Uh, you're going to realize it's going to be reach 100 billion transistor by the end of this decade, 2019 to 2030, if you continue on the conventional lateral scaling of technology node. However, if you look at in the AI computer space, for the AI chips being announced, and for example, AMD chip, the MI300X, which is going to be announced which is announced by AMD going to be available in the first quarter of this year, that is actually going to be more than 100 billion transistors per chip, or you can call it per die because it relies on chiplet architecture. The AI compute has driven our chip density to reach 100 billion transistors seven years earlier than the original prediction purely based on traditional scaling on lateral scaling, enabled, or I should call it accelerated by chip technology and the chip technology today. So that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's good. So, so let, me, let me take a step back in, in broad picture why, why I think this is super important. So you mentioned a couple of companies, AMD, uh, Intel, obviously, um, you know, NVIDIA's in there, Qualcomm's in there, Ch chip designers are in here, right? Wrestling with what does the next five to 10 years of design look like and where are our process or our foundry partners going? So, you know, where's TSMC going? Where's Intel going? Uh, you know, where's Samsung going? Because essentially th those are those three. So when we think about the way that those foundries move forward their designs of transistors, this is relevant, right? This is an important part as of, as of this discussion, but, but, but primarily, and, and I'm going to throw this out there because I've been thinking a lot about monolithic, so aggregated design versus disaggregated design. And part of that is just going to move into the point that you made about chiplets and systems in package versus systems on chips. But, but it feels like client, so a phone and or a PC, for example, for, for the time being, monolithic's okay. Right, you're you're able to get, and I think Apple's. I might botch this because I'm just trying to remember it, but Apple's A17 Pro is 19-ish billion transistors, I think, something like that. But but my my point is there, we're going to reach a limit of monolithic in terms of compute. I don't know what that is. I don't know when, but I'm, again, we're thinking we're thinking long term here, right? Five five ten years, and so I'm intrigued with what you just said about you know how do we think about not just the future of the transistor, because that matters for the die package that you're building, whether that's logic, whether that's an ASIC, whether that's, um, you know, a companion processor, you've just got, you know, you've got your, your die size, at, your, your chip design at whatever process. But where these system and package and chiplet design gets, and you look at, you know, you referenced AMD and Intel, both doing these things, right? Being able to mix and match lots of different packages on a much larger substrate does this, right? Because because your, your point is, and this is where I think when Pat Gelsinger says we're going to have a trillion transistors by 2030, he means chiplets. Like he means a big, 
a big package, right? We're talking about a giant piece of bit here, but it's not one chip. It's many packaged together. And that gets us into kind of this next era of compute. So, so A, I'm just fascinated that we have these two things in parallel. We have an advancement moving to a new design of transistors in NanoSheet. And then we have, like you said, maybe VTFET or SFET that's going to take us past, again, 1.5-ish, whatever. Maybe NanoSheets take us to one nanometer. I don't know. I don't think we know the answer. But the point is we're moving that direction. Simultaneously, we're packaging all these things up in really unique ways to create very complex but extremely powerful compute designs in a system and package via these chiplets. So I'm just making a broad observation. I find it fascinating that these two things are happening in, in parallel. I don't know what the overall implications of that, but, but the reason I bring that up is because chip designers now, and I don't know if you agree with this, but have really the most options available to them to design something unique for a workload, for a use case than really ever before. And I just think that's super interesting as a competitive dynamic, both from foundry and chip design. So I'll, I'll stop there because I loved about it, but that's kind of why I think all of this matters. Absolutely, Ben. And I think you hit the nail. By the way, uh, one thing you have said, uh, I would like to just echo that, is these two things are happening in parallel. Uh, we're actually seeing the in this um, disruptive innovation of technology in front of us, the transistor technology, I generally refer to it as chip technology, and the chiplet technology, or you call it advanced packaging technology, or 3D IC technology, that they're coming together side by side in this transformation. It does have some profound uh, implication, especially uh, on the design part of the equation. Uh, again, maybe uh, going back uh, to the solar process, how we started our conversation, I'd like to um, use the history to learn from the history and then talk about uh, what do we learn from that, what is going to happen, and what is needed to happen uh, in order for the industry to be success uh, in this transformation. Um, if you recall, when our industry uh, moved from planar transistor technology to FinFET technology, the technology was available as early as 2011, but the majority of the industry, um, I would say, adopted the FinFET technology in 2013, 2014, or after. There's a good reason of it, not just because of the cost associated with the complexity of FinFET technology, but it is also how our designers are started to be engaged to figure out a way how to use FinFET in their uh, product design. Mm -hmm. And one particular function, uh, the GTCO function has played a critical role enabling uh, that part. Essentially, it serves a purpose because what we have realized as an industry is that if you don't develop semiconductor technology with design application in mind, a lot of the technology innovation our designers may not be able to use them effectively uh, at the end. Mm. Vice versa, if our designers are not engaged in the early phase of technology definition, uh, very unfortunately, that uh, many of the uh, very important matters, matter for our design community may not get enough or sufficient uh, investment in terms of innovation for technology solutions. It goes vice and versa both ways. Uh, that is what we have learned uh, when our industry migrated from planar transistor to FinFET technology. I'd like to mention one particular thing uh, to draw the attention of the semiconductor uh, engineer community is what is happening here is we expect a new function called STCO, System Technology Coordination, to be a key driving factor 
when it comes to how do we leverage all these technology innovation, especially in the 3D chipping space. Uh, what is happening here today is, if you think about it, the way we design our chips, of course, the first thing is we need a 3D IC design platform. Uh, that's the first thing we need. Uh, as a transformation from all the tools that we have in 2D or uh, in today as how it has evolved into. So going to enable that to 2.5D and 3D is critical. By the way, when I say it, it's not just a simply get the 3D compiler ready. It has actually a lot more other components need to be considered, especially in a 3D chiplet architecture. For example, the SOMO is going to become a major factor in design consideration. Uh, the way I want to think about a SOMO in the 3D chiplet space uh, is more or less to think about reliability for a transistor. Reliability of a transistor is so critical, it actually has a very profound implication how we use device management. The way I would think about SOMO um, uh, management is a very, as, as important as reliability transistor. How we leverage that for our architecture innovation moving forward. The other one is because 2.5D and 3D um, configuration in the architecture, uh, all the mechanical uh, modeling will be equally uh, critical in the 3D IC design tools. So from that perspective, that enablement of 3D IC design platform is become a very important factor. Now, uh, I do want to mention uh, that uh, there's a very significant benefit when it comes to chiplet technology in front of us. Ben, you mentioned uh, mix and match. I want to emphasize on that component because what does that truly means? Once you have a 3D chiplet architecture, it's not like one company, you need to innovate in everything in building that uh, architecture. You can choose which area you want to differentiate and focus on innovation on. And you can leverage the chip the ecosystem is going to be established in this space and leverage those things uh, to, I would say, either for cost reduction reason or even shorten your development cycle time. Focus on the area you bring your unique value when it comes to innovation, which is a very important factor uh, that when it comes to design perspective of this new ecosystem. Now, mm. the last piece, which is I feel is going to be very uh, challenged and we need a lot of help. Today, we, our industry spent about 10 years uh, to get a DTCO from its uh, infant phase all the way to mature technology by the definition uh, process. Um, we are in a process today, we don't have any tool to really look at a system level optimization for architecture, connecting back to the 3D chip technology and design. We don't have it. There's no simple way of doing it. And we need a lot of innovation to have, a, 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 I would say, especially from how the technology people and uh, EDA uh, people and the application people coming together to develop uh, 3D chip-based architecture and also application-informed uh, system architecture optimization process. That and our industry will not have enough patience to wait for another 10 years mm -hmm. for that to be the dominant mm -hmm. factor. We essentially need it in the next two to three years. That's one thing I want to uh, emphasize uh, in this transformation process. So that, so you, you hit exactly like the more I've talked with you know, folks like yourself, right, deeply in the trenches in the semiconductor industry. It's like you see all these things coming to a head 
simultaneously also running into very, very hard problems. Like I know you get these and like people have tried to explain them to me. And the more they talk, I'm just like, this sounds impossible. Like it just some, sometimes feels like we're never going to get there, but, but I know we will, but you're, but you're exactly right. in that software is moving so fast to churn up all the compute that it feels like there's such demand for compute. And yet we're up against some real, real constraints to manufacture, scale, and and qualify, like you said, right? Make sure that we got high yields and that it's not costing ridiculous amounts of money to solve these problems. So I, I say all that because it really feels like, you know, I, I've been tracking, you know, the semi-industry for also 20 years. You've been in it for that longer, but it, it feels like we're up against unprecedented territory when it comes to the future of semiconductors. And, and I find that fascinating because everybody we've talked to, right? Your foundries, your qualifiers, your ADA tools, your systems, your, de- your designers, your people trying to make more, uh, more wafers. Everybody is up against these walls of physical constraints in ones we haven't, but we know we need to get there because we still have so much demand for for compute. Like it's not even, it's not even close. It's just so wild to feel that, that we're in this state of like, yeah, we have this great bright future, but man, we've got some serious technology problems. So Lead into that, like you talked a little bit about some of the EDA tools, all the qualifying. I know we're on the cusp of of uh, of a new 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 era of, of of EUV. If these machines work well, the, the only two that ASML is is producing at the moment, Intel gets it first, the NAUV, and then whatnot. But maybe maybe just talk a little bit. I I, I want our listeners to kind of just understand this the scope of some of these challenges that we're really faced at for the semiconductor industry over these next, you know, five years, maybe even 10 years? Um, and that's a quite a loaded question. Uh, that said, uh, uh, let's say when you said you have been following semiconductor industry for the last 20 years, and in the last 20 years, how many times you have heard about the end of the Moore's law? Sure, At least three, sure. maybe four times, right? Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. since 2010, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Every few years, you're going to um, uh, hear about that conversation. The good news is I have not heard about that conversation in the last three years. In fact, in the last three mm. years, everyone, when they talk about a semiconductor, is all about, wow, you know what? The compute capability is never going to keep up with uh, workload. And today is driven by the AI workload. Uh, that's what we're facing. And that itself is an um, overwhelming driving factor when it comes to semiconductor technology innovation. So I'm a true believer, as you can see, uh, in the semiconductor innovation. It's never about uh, the end of Moore's law. It's all about where the innovation comes from. That's a real question. Uh, when it comes to uh, how the semiconductor uh, technology uh, continue to drive uh, uh, the hardware innovation, and moving forward, it's a four-stack play, I would just call it, um, hardware and the software play uh, in the innovation and driven by the AI uh, workload uh, in front of us. That's a real question. Mm. Uh, now, I do want to provide uh, um, a personal perspective when I look at that equation. And um, you probably have observed uh, in our industry, many companies, um, they probably used to be a software company, but these days it's very hard, uh, very hard to distinguish whether they are software company or hardware company, I generally call it a full stack play. This is where my company, uh, IBM, is also positioned uh, uh, with. 
uh, because today uh, it's not about, uh, uh, I mentioned the transistor technology uh, at the transistor architecture level innovation. I mentioned the block level innovation. I mentioned the chip level innovation. It's really not about uh, one particular layer you should be doing. It's really about multiple layers in this full stack solution from hardware, mm. uh, from, uh, from algorithm perspective and from software perspective uh, in the middleware, but also from application perspective. We are talking about a full stack innovation. The good news is the following. It's not necessarily one single company you need to do everything in this full stack plane. It's really talking about building an ecosystem, building a, a partnership so that you can choose to differentiate in the area you want to differentiate. But creating that ecosystem, creating that partnership among these innovations, these are probably most critical. Um, today, I think most technology companies have realized it doesn't matter uh, how strong your company is. At the end, building that ecosystem around the innovation to support the innovation, to accelerate the innovation is a true differentiator whether you can be successful or not in this race. Mm. No, that's that's super interesting. You know, and, and I think the you know, sort of t tying this back to the, the the broad point, right? We're in, like we said, one of the most technically complex periods of semis that we've seen in some time, if not forever. We're simultaneously in one of the most competitive environments I've really ever seen, right? Because it is nice that that we've got Intel back competing in Foundry and advanced packaging. And there's a lot of optionality there. Samsung seems to be, you know, back into the fold with a good mix of, of offerings and TSMC, right? So we sort of have this extremely competitive environment. Again, one that we just may have never really seen before, because when was the last time that you've actually got multiple foundries at the leading edge doing different things, right? Different approaches to transistor design, different approaches to chiplet construction and packaging, and different approaches to even backside power, right? Because TSMC is doing something a little bit different than Samsung, which is doing something different than Intel. It's it's just it's it's a great crazy time. But but I wanted kind of everybody from this to just grasp that scope of what what again feels like unprecedented ter territory. Tremendous opportunity, deeply competitive environment. Luckily, everyone is financially motivated to to keep making progress here. But very very hard problems. Like I just I just don't think. That gets understated, in my opinion. Just, just the the scientific limitations of physics that we're up against to solve some of these problems over the next five years. So I say all that just to say, fascinating times. Obviously, you know, IBM research plays a big role in challenge trying to help solve some of these challenges and and bring that IP to market, which I think is good. Um, but that's kind of the 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 nut takeaway that I think is just like I said, I I've never seen anything. Anything quite like this? Yes, Ben. Uh, well said. And uh, just uh, share a last piece of thought is that uh, uh, for IBM, we are in this game is really, and uh, we are here uh, to do R&D as part of the fundamental research in this transformation, whether it's come to semiconductor chip technology or chiplet technology. Uh, in fact, our impact is only going through uh, with our ecosystem partner because we essentially develop the technology together with them, transfer the technology to their fab. So our impact to our industry is through with our partnership. Essentially, you can consider IBM Research as an enabling company. We enable our partners, and we are very happy uh, to see, yes, uh, uh, all the company names just mentioned are stabilizing and are financially motivated. It makes sense for them to invest in this area. 
but also uh, that uh, it's a great thing to see uh, more companies joining this uh, investment when it comes to technology innovation. So we are very happy uh, to enable them. Yeah, no, and I think the most important part on that is just understanding like the ecosystem has to work together to get these challenges. Like you said, right? No one company is going to fully solve it. This is everybody's financially vested, but also the community understands, right? We we need to work together because these are very, very difficult problems. So exciting times, challenging times, ultra competitive times, I think fascinating time to be in semis. Uh, but I really appreciate you joining Humang and uh, I look forward to another conversation where maybe we'll dive into uh, backside power differences for our audience because that's going to get a lot of attention here in the next in the next six to 10 months. So uh, really appreciate the time. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Ben.